welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I am so pleased to welcome as our guest, Scott Schutte. As you may know by now, if you're a regular listener, Scott has had more than a 35-year career in leadership roles with Fresh Time, Sprouts, Bosch's, AJ's Fine Foods. He's been recognized as Produce Retailer of the Year, Specialty Food Retailer of the Year, and of course has been so kind to be a regular on this podcast and share his perspective on all kinds of different topics. Most recently, cheese and produce pairings and the cross-merchandising and promotional opportunities that those can inspire. And we also talked lately on merchandising based on time of day, traffic patterns, and really providing meal solutions in those critical windows to your shoppers. So today we are talking sampling. Scott, thank you so much for joining me again and welcome to the podcast. Hey, you're very welcome. Yeah, I'm really excited about talking product sampling again. I think uh, that's something that uh, we've all seen in our past and we participated in quite a bit in our past, but thanks to the lovely pandemic, uh, it seems like the, the mode of sampling has come to a screeching halt until um, recently when I was lucky enough to, uh, to be out uh, looking at retailers and one of the retailers happened to be a Costco market that I was in. And uh, I noticed one big thing that has changed at Costco and has uh, really migrated into something huge for them again. And that's being the master of product sampling. Um, I was so impressed that day that you know product sampling was on my radar as a thought of if I had anything to do over again in my career, I think uh, you just mentioned one of the areas of opportunity that I would have uh, liked to have done a little bit better and taken good to great, and that was uh, food pairing and being able to cross-merchandise and match different foods together. But the second definitely would be taking the world of product food tasting and sampling to much higher levels and to become the master of product sampling and be known for it and have it kind of as a company trademark or at least a, a high customer recognition uh, list item for them that uh, they could count on your particular retailer for being able to get uh, a food tasting experience like they've never had before. And some of the fun and excitement of, of demoing and food sampling and um, working between departments together for you know, cooking tasting events and all that other good stuff. But I walked away from that Costco trip thinking to myself, what a big area of opportunity it is right now for a retailer to take um, product demoing, sampling, food tasting, whatever you want to call it, to new high levels post-pandemic and to be able to do it in a food safe way and have a great time doing it. But most of all, sell a ton of product from doing it because I can tell you what, I sell. I saw so many full carts of sample items at the Costco that I was at, it was unbelievable. So um, obviously it works. If you put together a program that's uh, robust and strong enough, you can definitely reap the results from it. So let's talk about product sampling. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we before we do, I'll just share my most recent anecdote of, of experiencing this as a shopper. So I was in Chicago for the IFPA retail conference about a month ago. And I wanted to visit some stores on the way out of town before I headed to the airport. And I walked into one 
and I, I really just wanted to look around. I really did not intend to buy anything, but they had the juice counter and the gentleman behind the counter was making the fresh squeeze orange juice and it just smelled so unbelievably good. And I said to him, I was like, oh my gosh, that smells amazing. And what does he say? He says, oh, here, would you like to try a sample of it? Said, yes, please. Yes, I would. And of course it was delicious. And I said, um, where can I get that specific thing that I just tried? And here goes out the door, you know, the $5 tiny bottle of the fresh squeezed orange juice. And I was not mad about it. I spent that money I hadn't planned on spending and it was completely worthwhile. And that's the beauty of sampling in a nutshell. <laughs> he got you hooked. He actually did his job and uh, that worked to perfection there. But um, I believe there's really so much opportunity, just like your example out there, to get back in that product sampling mode and and to do it correctly. So peak of season right now is definitely here for a lot of produce items. It's the summertime. It's prime season for fresh produce items. And so there's so many great items out there right now that are quick and easy to sample. Um, we should probably start out by maybe talking about, you know, some different sampling methods um, talking about active sampling and passive sampling. Um, active sampling would be, you know, where you have a, uh, a person that actually operates a sampling station, just like the, the juice guy that you were talking about. <laughs> Somebody that, you know, is able to hand out samples and has some product knowledge and information about it and really is a good people person uh, to be able to give that, that great sales pitch that sells that $5 bottle of juice every time. And passive sampling would be kind of the opposite. That would be setting up some sample displays that um, are not ran and operated by anybody. Um, they're just kind of set up independently, you know, throughout different parts of the store for the consumer, the customer to self-serve themselves with samples. And so there's a bunch of different methods about doing that. But um, no, what do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about the uh, the pros and cons of sampling, or what, what what's the easy part versus the difficult part, or where should yeah. we start? So something that occurred to me as you were describing those is active sampling. My initial thought would be active sampling is always preferable if you have the people, the space to do it. Is there any scenario in which passive sampling is actually preferred you know with without constraints or what's kind of your your perspective on which is kind of the go-to option yeah i think right now um for the passive sampling uh bonus points that would go to organizations that don't exactly have um the labor force uh whether they have labor dollars or they have actual labor team members available um, that usually determines if uh, a demo is going to be active or or passive because it does, you know, unfortunately cost quite a bit of money to have that active person out there hosting a product demo and being part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes uh, a store can get uh, very creative and have somebody that's uh, dual purpose. A uh, perfect example would be the, uh, the the juice person in that juice bar or that juice department that uh, is back there being a production person. At the same time, they're also wearing the salesman's hat and being able to reach over the counter and offer a product sample to the customer that's walking by. And that's kind of a dual purpose. But most of the time, the, the passive demos are 
are demos that are set up because of labor constraints and or sometimes they're set up as a passive demo because of the the type of product that it might be. Um, it might be a little bit more of a, a shelf stable product or an easier product to demo without the assistance of uh, a team member that's offering the sample or explaining it. So that passive demo is usually um, a, a tasting event that's flanked with some really great signage. Uh, along with the great signage, um, it, it includes information about the product and for the most part has a flashy price point or some type of a, a value proposition for the customer also that not only are they able to self-taste a great product, they've got the information about it. They want to read a little bit more about it. Um, sometimes retailers clever enough to include a QR code in that signage. So they can get a little deeper into reading about that product, uh, but then they're able to reap the benefits of that product being on sale or promotion and it happen happening to be um, a great value proposition for them to, to put that item in the cart. But most of the time, that's when passive type demos um, work best. Uh, I know from past experiences, I've had a lot of uh, uh, growers, shippers, manufacturers, vendors that um, offer rebates or incentives for the store to do their own passive sampling. So whether it's free cases of product or X number of dollars off product um, from that side of the business, from the wholesale side of the business, there's been opportunity from that side to help promote or help create passive demonstrations of their products throughout the store. Um, but for the most part, um, really when that labor is not readily available, um, but you have a great product and you know for sure if you can get just a little sample cup into a customer's hands and let them taste it, your odds of selling that product will be so much better. That's the go-to uh, type of food tasting event or passive demo that uh, that I was used to or that I would recommend. And passive sampling compared to active sampling, and I don't know if there are, are numbers you know, to this or just anecdotally, how much faster do you t tend to see samples churn on an active active display versus a, a passive display, for instance? Well, if it's anything like that Costco example I gave you before, <laughs> when you have an active demo or product tasting event, um, you can very easily stir up a commotion with inside your store and attract the crowd and have a lot of fun, uh, personal, personability, one-on-one um, -on -one conversations with customers, and most of all, seeing all these people kind of get into a little bit of a frenzy over wanting to know what that product tastes like and what the big crowd is around that table or that that tasting event or what's going on. And so the, the active sampling events um, definitely draw the bigger crowd. And in my opinion, in my past experiences, it's the active sampling events that sell more immediate product but they also sell quite a bit more residual product down the road. Uh, maybe the next shopping trip, somebody is um, thinking about that food that they tasted or that produce item that was peak of season that they tasted last week or the week before. And uh, they're a little bit more apt and a little bit more confident to put that item into their grocery cart, even at a later time for some kind of repeat or incremental sales later on. Well, and with you mentioning that, you know, on on the passive demo, or I guess demo is the wrong word, passive sampling, of course, it sounds like communication to the team on, hey, make sure you check in on this 
passive sampling station is is important because obviously on on the active side it's man full time and somebody's right there and you know there with with new samples and that sort of thing where it's got to be pretty pretty closely monitored i'm guessing on the passive side too absolutely i mean we talked about on the uh, food pairing podcast how important it is for the produce team to be well aware of cross-merchandised items that are over in other departments, along with items from another department that might be cross-merchandised over in the produce department. And they had to really have that on their radar and on their 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 daily checklist or their nightly checklist to be monitored. But really the same goes for, for passive samples that uh, the store or the, the produce team needs to have that on a permanent checklist while it's up and while it's running to make sure that uh, from a food safety standpoint, that the product that's out there on that sample is great quality, wholesome, fresh product. It's at the right proper temperature for, you know, food safety and product demonstrations. And then most of all, that uh, the fill level or the availability of that product is there and that a customer doesn't walk by and see an empty sample tray with a bunch of uh, used toothpicks and empty sample cups. Um, They're fortunate enough to see a full fresh display of those product samples in a passive event. And that's because it's on that permanent checklist of the produce team to make sure that they're back there constantly checking up and making sure that uh, that passive demo is properly taken care of. So passive demos um, really somewhat like active demos, passive demos can have a, a set time of day also. So they don't have to be set up at seven in the morning and go till nine or 10 o'clock at night. Passive demos can also be strategic and can be set up for probably anywhere from the two or three hours of primetime business to maybe the best shopping hours of the day at a particular store. Maybe the the three to seven o'clock hours, those four hours are max capacity for customer foot traffic in the stores. That would be a prime time to make sure that the produce department is well aware of and takes care of that passive demo that's set up, whether it's in their department or it's at the front of the store or it's tied in with maybe another department at another location, they need to be aware of that passive demo for those critical four hours out of the day. Well, and when you mentioned the the toothpicks and the sample cups, that made me think of something else, just a operational detail that probably goes without saying, but other things to check, like making sure that there's a trash can nearby this, you know, where the tray is with the passive samples or that sort of thing, just maintaining the cleanliness around that. Cause like you said, sometimes those draw a crowd and I'm sure it can get over, you know, get out of control quick a little bit if there's not monitoring. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you talk about doing an active sampling program or a passive sampling program, Um, Both of those are going to require a major, major checklist of um, all the right things that need to be done. Um, That includes food safety. That includes the proper tools to be able to use and the proper equipment to be able to use. Um, That also includes, you know, all the additional supplies that are needed for that particular demonstration, whether it's the, uh, uh, the sanitary disposable gloves all the way to the sample cups themselves and some of the equipment that's used to process the sample equipment, there's a pretty lengthy list of uh, the ins and outs of a a good, clean, um, perfect sampling or demonstration program that needs to be in place before 
um, a store or an organization really gets that deep into um, uh, the commitment to being great at samples. Well, and when you mentioned kind of the the planning process, what what strikes you as a good sort of time frame? you know, in that you would want to have leading up to either passive or active sampling to make sure that all those details are ironed out, are communicated, all those things that need to happen? Uh, well, for for an organization, um, as an example now, uh, that might not have done a product tasting event or a sampling event in two or three years, you know, post-COVID, um, it's going to take a little bit of an effort to get back into the groove of what a sampling program actually is. It not only takes that major checklist to put together to make sure that you're ready for it, it takes some team member training or retraining to make sure that uh, they're up for the important task of being a product representative or maybe being somebody that does the processing work and creates all the fresh cut pieces of you know, the first of the season pluots that are so great right now and to make sure that they understand, you know, the size of the samples, um, the sanitary food safety conditions of cutting those samples, the temperature of the, the demo display or whatever it might be. Um, it's kind of getting back to basic and some of those rules and guidelines for not only creating the most effective product sampling or demo event, um, but one that's uh, going to be most beneficial to the consumer also and to be on the, the, the most food safety side of the business as possible. So there is definitely some background work that needs to be done on all aspects of the program. Um, but I still keep going back to that day in Costco and just seeing the crowds around those events and seeing how positive and effective that they were and selling products and just getting everybody excited about tasting product again. And um, I really think the time is now to jump back on that bandwagon and take advantage of product tasting and um, food tasting events, um, whatever you want to call them, you know, paired up with, you know, rest of the store events or just solo over in the produce department. It's a good opportunity for peak of season items right now to be, not only good at product sampling, but to take it to that next level of, of great. And so. Now, what did you observe at Costco as far as sort of the logistics of how they were doing this as these stations did draw a crowd and you think about how traffic is flowing through the department and all those kind of things. How did you see them kind of manage having these places where people are gathering, but not getting in the way of, of other shoppers? Yeah, obviously, I could see uh, just from a kind of a, a, a big overview of all the samples that were going on that there was a very well thought out plan put together before they even started that day's sampling event. Um, as far as spacing goes, they were very strategically spaced and located within the store that they were within prime shopping patterns of customers' grocery carts, but they weren't blocking or impeding those customers that were trying to get through a little bit quicker and didn't worry about the samples. The item selection was very strategic at Costco. Um, they didn't have the same types of items. Um, they had multiple different types of items that ranged anywhere from the ice cream treats that were going on over near the freezer section um, to obvious other cooking samples that were happening 
mid store or mid grocery section of the store all the way to um, a nice cool refreshing drink that they were sampling kind of towards the tail end of it. So it wasn't a lot of the same products. Um, it wasn't um, products that are just everyday products. It wasn't anybody that was demonstrating the jar of mayonnaise out there. They were products that were kind of uh, uh, in some cases an exclusive for Co Costco or for Kirkland. Um, but uh, they were exciting items. They were new and they were different. Um, they were fun items for the time of year. And uh, they just seemed to be great items that resonated well with the customers that were walking by. So A plus for their item selection. Um, A plus also for the location of the demos. They had them really spread out nicely throughout each of the departments. And um, uh, A plus for execution because uh, from a a food safety standpoint, whether it was, you know, wearing the proper hair nets and the proper safety gloves and having the proper uh, demo containers to the demo cups, all the way to what you pointed out earlier is having a, a trash receptacle and uh, signage and, you know, the all the perfect things needed for a uh, beautifully executed demo they were all in place. And when you put all of those factors together, um, that's nothing but a positive sales results. And you could definitely see it happening. Well, in thinking about active sampling versus passive sampling, if there is labor available, if, if it does work kind of from an, an overall operational standpoint, I do love the idea of active sampling, because I do think when you get somebody who is friendly and engaging and people are learning about the product, they're getting to try it. You have, you know, the, say stone fruit, right? You have this great smell. You've got all these things going on. It is, it is, it's powerful moving that product and it creates, I think the word you used earlier was commotion. It creates excitement. It creates a buzz. And those are the sorts of things people go home and they talk to their friends about. And it's just, that it creates word of mouth in addition to the experience of the store. Absolutely. I think the other thing that it does is it answers the customer's question over in the produce department, the question that's asked so often by customers and the question that's thought of, but maybe not brave enough for the customer to ask, I wonder if those peaches taste any good right now this time of year. You know, I wonder if peaches are in their prime season yet. You know, I wonder how those pluots taste compared to a plum. And all those questions that they might have are very easily answered by a product demonstration. And that's because when you're doing product demos, you're doing active food demonstrations in your department, uh, first and foremost, you're picking out items that are prime peak of season items, um, items that um, they have their most highest flavor potential at that point in time. Um, I probably wouldn't do a peach tasting event of California peaches in early May. Um, it just doesn't make sense because that's the beginning of the season or the start of the season. And you know that California peach isn't quite at its prime yet, but you get into the season a little bit farther and before you know it, um, you've hit prime peach season, whether it's uh, you know the East Coast or the, the Georgia or the Carolina peach season, uh, local grown Michigan season or all the way back to the West Coast on a California peach season, you'll get to those times a year where it's the right time to be demoing and offering a sample of that 
particular item. And the, the peach is a great example, but it also works the same with, you know, different times of the year. You've got your fall season where you've got, you know, that that new up and coming cosmic crisp apple as a good example of, you know, being a, a fresh new crop, new harvest pick of that particular item. And what a great time of year is because soft fruit, stone fruits are already over and the new fruits moving in. But what a great way to introduce not only a, a new item, but um, a perfect time of year for a taste of a fresh picked apple. And you can kind of go through the, the, the full season, the full year of different produce items and be able to pick and choose when the right time of year is for demoing those particular items. I know I mentioned before too, the added bonus when you pick that peach during its perfect time of year is to actually have that peach picked when it might be on a big promotion or there might be some kind of a sale or event that's going on with a, a local grown peach or an exclusive variety of peaches that you carry or whatever the reason might be to be able to pair that up with a, a promotional savings event that's going on at the same time. Uh, that's kind of a double whammy or a big impact on the consumer when they taste a peak of season product like that. And they also see such a great price point on the signage that, you know, there's a major promotion going on and it's just a win-win for the consumer. I'm so glad that you used peaches as the example, because I was thinking along those exact same lines, Scott, in terms of sometimes folks will want to be first to market with whatever's in season. And like you said, the quality sometimes isn't the same at the beginning of the season. It is in the middle of the season and same thing at the end of the season. And so you kind of never know what was that last impression that, that a consumer had of particularly a seasonal item like peaches. Um, the other component of this too, right, is a lot of these items are not necessarily branded or there's not a strong brand impression with the shopper as far as the, t the supplier from which the peaches are coming or even something like grapes where they're traditionally marketed as, you know, red and black and green. Right. And so a lot of times people will think, Oh, I've, I've had wonderful experiences with some peaches or with some grapes or whatever the item is. And well, I've also had really lackluster experiences with some grapes or some stone fruit or whatever the case is. As you pointed out, that's the perfect, perfect, perfect way to answer everybody's questions, reset the expectations. If maybe they did buy something early season that was okay, but not super compelling. And I, I just, I could not agree more with the fact that seasonal in particular and getting things at the height of flavor. And it also builds that trust too, I think. And what I was thinking earlier, but I didn't complete my thought on the active sampling versus the passive sampling is whatever you're paying that really wonderfully friendly, engaging employee to man that active sampling station. If you time that for three or four hours on a busy Saturday or uh, what you know is going to be a busy Friday night, or maybe you're having a cooking class or something else that's bringing people to the store, I, there's a good likelihood for that to pay for itself, especially if you maybe do some of the cross-merchandising and meal solutions and other things that we talked about to sort of build on that around it as well. Yeah, let me add to that real quick. Um, I definitely believe that to be true, what you just mentioned. Um, there's definitely return on investment without a doubt. Um, but the other thing that we tend to forget about 
is we just invested in that team members training and development and their um, involvement of um, being able to be um, smarter salespeople, but with more education and more knowledge about the particular product that they work with every day of the week. And so knowledge is power. And with that power, um, that team member that, you know, might have been sampling for three or four hours today, um, really just walked away with better understanding um, the flavor profile and perfection of a beautifully ripe peach um, and where they came from, where they were grown and what farm or, you know, local grower grew them and all the other details about them that that their involvement in that demo just doesn't last for the three or four hours that day. They carry that information on day to day for days to come and weeks to come and seasons to come about what they learned when they were doing that product demonstration. So there's a, um, a, a big added benefit that sometimes the retailer doesn't look at, that it's an investment in the team member also to get them up to speed and trained and develop. And we all know how many newbies there are today out in the produce department that um, uh, people turn over and new hires and um, uh, changing of positions has been bigger than ever these last few years. And so uh, another great reason to get team members involved in the product demonstrations and make that commitment and make that investment for setting up great food tasting programs because there's a added benefit to it also. I love that you brought that up because it seems to me maybe that's something you talk with, you know, as the director of produce, maybe that's something you talk about with HR and you say, hey, we want this to be part of our training. Give us a little bit of budget for this, which is actively generating sales. I mean, it's probably going to pay for itself pretty darn quickly, but we also want it to be part of our training program for our people. And so, and as you mentioned earlier, you may have a supplier who's willing to chip in a little bit and offset a little bit of whatever remaining cost there is too. And now you've got sales that are happening in the moment. You've got repeat sales that are coming back next week because they had a great experience this week. And you've got more engaged team members who can engage your shoppers more effectively for the rest of that season and maybe even be more interested in produce in general because they get that knowledge about, oh, I didn't know that it's coming from this, you know, so let's say Vidalia onions. I didn't know it's coming from this specific reason. And it's so sweet. You can actually just eat it raw and, you know, all the other fun facts and that sort of thing. That I, I love the idea of these things that serve multiple purposes, because I think that makes the justification easier because we know there's always the the budget justification process. Yeah, we can't be intimidated by that, uh, that you know, that that budgeting uh, requirement or the cost of the labor that's going to take, because where there is a will, there is a way. And uh, this doesn't have to be an eight or nine hour investment on labor for a, a tasting event. As I mentioned earlier, the tasting event could be the two or three or four hours of, of prime time business for that particular store location. So um, don't let the investment in the time and the labor scare you. That, that's something that can be adjusted and fine tuned. And um, for an organization that's just starting to get back into a demo or a food tasting program, uh, maybe the quick and easy baby step would be those, you know, the the one or two hour demos that are set up during prime time and, and test the waters a little bit to see how that 
um, how much that impacts business and customer experience and the team member experience and use that as kind of a, a litmus test for evolving the food tasting program into uh, you know something quite a bit bigger than that eventually. Absolutely. And so we've talked about sort of the the prime items to include in in sampling is obviously anything that's that's peak of season. Any items that are not as good of a fit for sampling or would have to be managed so closely that maybe it maybe it's uh, more more something to stay away from. Yeah, I could think of those right off the top of my head. Um probably those items that are in that food safety category that are at high risk. Um, I know cantaloupes have uh, have gotten a bad rap as far as uh, for food safety concerns or making sure that um, they're processed and prepared and um, able to be served in the most food safe ways. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, fresh squeezed juices can fall into that category too. Or maybe if you're attempting to demo a, a chopped salad kit, um, those are all the type of items that uh, food safety has to be on high alert and you've got to be 100% on point and ready to um, to do food tasting events properly um, when you do those. Um, I think of uh, food tasting events as not only those peak of season items, but items that are also fairly easy to process or prepare. And let's face it, when you get a busy store in a busy time of day and you get a lot of folks sampling, you can go through quite a bit of samples in a big hurry. And so items that we mentioned before, like the fresh cut peaches or fresh slices of apples or um, actually being able to take a, an heirloom navel orange in peak season and cut them into wedges. You know, you're not peeling an orange necessarily and taking the time and the labor to do that, but you're very quickly cutting them into wedges and still allowing the customer to have a great taste of a great product. Um, those are some of the type of items that I would kind of consider uh, a little faster and easier. Maybe those are part of the, the baby step food tasting events or the food, food tasting program that I would start out with. Um, just those quick and easy items. That makes sense. And I know we had also talked about similar to earlier when when our conversation was on the, the produce and cheese pairings. We talked a little bit about meal solutions how do you approach working with different departments and maybe taking advantage of some of their skill sets and expertise to do even like cooking demos, a little like one more step beyond even active sampling? Yeah, you got my wheel spinning already because I've, I've had so many times in the past that um, I've had great peak of season items. I've had the Vidalia onion season that's, you know, in place right now. And how am I? as a, a produce clerk or a produce manager gonna demo or have a tasting event in my department for Vidalia onions. And so through past experiences, um, the Vidalia onion season is a pretty big deal. And a lot of customers look forward to that particular onion season or that time of year. And so to take it to a new level, um, that's to get the involvement of some other departments within your organization. And to realize that, um, not only is it Vidalia onion season, but this week happens to be that uh, that big promotion going on over in the meat department of all the different 12 different flavors of homemade sausage that they make day in and day out. And the big sausage sale and promotion that's going on right now. And just realizing it, the partnership with you and the folks over in the meat department 
along with uh, an electric skillet, a covered electric skillet, and all the other tools can very quickly put together uh, an onion, maybe throw in some of those local growing bell peppers and cook sausage together um, for one heck of a cooking event over in the uh, meat department. And I remember you saying the smell of that fresh squeezed juice just reached out and grabbed you as you were walking by. Um, wait till you put some Vidalia onions and some homemade sausage in an electric skillet and you get that going out on the sales floor or even, you know, behind the counter or on the counter at the meat department. And how many customers will actually slow up as they're walking by to kind of smell and try to figure out what's going on back in that department. But um, that's a great event in itself where you've got, you know, a couple bushel displays or some side stack displays of Vidalia onions for sale. Uh, maybe some pre-packed or pre-bagged Vidalia onions that are just grab and go and ready to go side by side the, you know, cooking demo that's going on over in the meat department. And so that could be a shared example of how being involved in multiple different departments would still work for the produce department and still be able to get them a little bit of notoriety for first of the season Vidalia onions or Walla Walla onions or whatever it might be. Um, that ties together with those other departments by branching out and uh, working with the other department uh, executives all the way down to the department leads at store level, that there's some great opportunity to put together some programs there that um, demo multiple items from different departments, uh, but really create some excitement with the customers and answer that question that we were trying to answer on the last podcast, what's for dinner tonight? You know, and a demo like that would definitely help do that. Well, and it occurs to me, Scott, that the rise of prepared foods in the last even five years strikes me that maybe there's a lot more of this kind of equipment and expertise in-house to do some of these things than maybe there was, again, even five years ago. Absolutely. The culinary skills that are over in the uh, the food service area of the store, the fresh deli departments, the fresh bakery departments. Uh, the fresh cheese bars. Um, there's a lot of great culinary skill over there and product knowledge over there that would uh, greatly assist in helping put a demo together. So the commitment from the produce department might very well be just supplying the product and prepping the product. Maybe it's getting those onions, you know, diced up or sliced up or whatever and ready to go into the electric skillet and uh, keeping an ample supply of that ready to go for the product demo. Um, you know, other parts would be involving those other departments and their culinary skills to, you know, help perfect um, your product demonstration a little bit better over in the produce department. Um, one example that I could think of that um, used to be one of my favorites and really still is for the produce department was when we got to prime tomato season. Uh, prime tomato season usually almost always paired with the prime fresh basil season that was going on at the same time of year. And so I would make it a point of always partnering up with the bakery department and uh, being able to take their fresh baguettes hot out of the oven and have them run them through their slicer. So they've got some, you know, nice little small bite-sized pieces of baguettes. And I would top those with a nice slice of this uh, local grown tomato and a piece of a fresh basil leaf on the top of it. And I would add to that um, just a little simple recipe of uh, a splash of olive oil, a little bit of uh, a balsamic vinaigrette, and then uh, a salt and pepper to choice. And 
make that little baguette sandwich with those ingredients on it, have a demo tray out there, or even have uh, a team member, myself, walking around the department, um, asking and offering a sample of these, you know, beautiful tomatoes to the customer. And when I did that active demo station or that display, um, I would have the olive oil on display from the grocery department. I'd have that bottle of balsamic vinegar on display, you know, from the grocery department. And then it was usually kind of a, a custom mix of a, a salt and pepper mix or a seasoning mix that was from the grocery department that uh, kind of helped put the final touches on that. I'd also have that product readily, readily available along with a, you know, a big display of those fresh baked baguettes from the bakery department. And before you know it, I had three different departments involved in a, in a tasting event. I built up a lot of excitement. I had a perfect peak of season produce item to taste. And I was filling up grocery carts quite a bit with more than just the tomatoes. So um, talking about a demo that worked very well, but I, I had the help of the bakery department. Um, I had the expertise of the folks over in the grocery department to pick out the right olive oil that might be on promotion, that might be a private label and represent the store the best, um, or whatever the case might be. Maybe it was something that a product that they were heavy on and they had a little bit of balsamic vinegar left from the past uh, promotion that they needed to move quicker. Um, whatever it might be, just by joining forces and communicating and working together with those other departments, you can really put together some spectacular demos. And, you know, the ones that I just talked about were pretty fast and easy. You know, you can make them a little bit bigger and better than that, or you can actually tame them down a little bit smaller than that. It's up to your choice. And so that's the beauty of product tasting events and food tasting events. And um, you can have a lot of fun with them and they can be very effective. Well, so several things on that. When you describe kind of building this little sandwich, I'm like, okay, I see these things coming together. I see the drizzle of the olive oil and the vinaigrette. I see the sprinkling of the salt and pepper, right? It's it's such theater, which is, again, just so fantastic for that impression that you want to create and that experience you want to create for your shopper. I'm so glad you mentioned private label because that was something that I think came up in our in one of our previous conversations and just again, another another kind of uh, nail in the coffin is not the right expression, but piece of the justification, right? When you're making your case for these sampling or these demo or these cooking events is, hey, you know, what's what's good for you guys on the margin side? Is it the private label? Is it, you know, something that's on promotion? Is it something we're getting vendor funding for? Whatever it is. And then you can make it into, hey, this isn't just for produce. This is, this is, we're working together. We're building total store sales and baskets here. The part that I like best is when, when you were just repeating those items and kind of that build process, I had this vision in my head as a retailer, how quick and easy it would be to put those items together. Um, now, if I put my customer, my consumer hat on and my customer hat on, um, I think I would be blown away. I think I would be looking at that event going, wow, you know, they're putting a lot of effort into this. I mean, that's a pretty cool recipe that they've got going. It doesn't look too difficult or too impossible. I can definitely handle that. Um, but it's something that really would impress the customer, mm -hmm. you know, as they're walking in and getting a chance to to look at your signage. You know, it's promoting that local grown tomato to actually look and see how juicy and red that tomato is after it was just sliced. And then to be able to step away a little bit and realize that, it looks pretty intricate. It looks pretty involved. It tastes great, but there really isn't a whole heck of a lot to it. 
And I think there are a ton of those type of demos throughout the entire store that are fun and easy to do like that, that can really impress a customer in a very short period of time. And they're easy for the team members to do. Well, and I was thinking too, even you mentioned, this is really one of those things where you can kind of do it once in a while, or maybe it's just a special event, those kind of things, or you can really make it kind of core to who you are as a retailer and the experience you want your shoppers to have. And I was thinking of some of the things that folks will do out in front of the store, like hatch chili roasting, some of these, some of these things where they'll utilize that outdoor space in front of the store. And I thought, man, if this is something that you want to be core to what you give to your shopper, there's all kinds of cool stuff that in a lot of locations around the country, you could do spring, summer, fall to some extent events. Maybe it's every Saturday, you know, at a certain time of year or something where every Saturday you've got during the lunchtime or whatever the right time is right for your, your shoppers, you've got a big cooking demo you're doing that involves the whole store and is kind of a meal, you know, meal inspiration design every week. I mean, you could, you could go crazy with that. And I, I really think it'd be a good investment. Yeah, I do too. And to take that to its actual highest level or its pinnacle would be to have the the farmer, the grower, the manufacturer, um, the actual representative of that product to be fortunate enough to be at your store location and to help him or her build one of the biggest food tasting events that your store has had centered around them being there and be able to talk directly to customers about product they've grown, product they've manufactured or product they represent. Um, that's one of the biggest things for a customer or a consumer to be able to, to talk to those people directly and really put a face to that product and understand all the intricacies about that particular product, get all their questions answered and to really be impressed and dazzled by having somebody that's a product expert like that um, be at that location and be able to, to offer that knowledge and that product sampling. And sometimes I think that maybe the smaller chains or the, the independent grocers might have the upper hand in that because they don't have that many locations or that um, there is enough of the, uh, the farmer to go around or the, the manufacturer, or the product representative to go around to hit store to store to store. Um, but I've also seen large chains that are able to take advantage of having um, kind of the farm tour or the farm roadshow that ends up going to location after location and does a great job representing their own product. And especially those items that are maybe seasonal, those items that are local grown, those items that are maybe even exclusive and they're only sold to that particular retailer or at that at that grocer. Um, those are items that uh, uh, the value of having a product representative doing the demo out there is is priceless. And... Well, in Scott, as you talk about that, and this probably is is over the top, but I can see building so much of the strategy around sampling, demoing, and doing exactly what you just said. Maybe the theme of those weekly demos or the things that you do outside, that kind of stuff, is individual growers, representatives from different growers, different companies focusing on fresh, since we know that's what brings people into the store, that's what drives profit, and to decide which stores 
those growers are going to visit because as you mentioned, they probably can't go to all of them. You have your sales contests. You have other things that are incentives for the stores to then get to be the store who hosts this grower or that great. You can make it part of your whole strategy. Yeah. In fact, uh, one other event that really took that to a whole other level, um, you just mentioned the inability for a particular farmer to not be able to make it to every store location. Um, what we did uh, was we took that to a new level by actually videotaping and making a regular production um, via video, via website, um, video, via social media, that particular highlight reel of that farmer being at a store, talking about his or her product, doing the product sampling, seeing customer reactions with that particular product sampling, and kind of being able to take that event that happened at one store and being able to share it with all the other stores in the particular chain. And we did that by using technology. And obviously it's not the same impact because you don't have that live in-person event and you're not tasting the product, but that fun and excitement and the product knowledge and the education that you get is still there. So by taking that demo to a next level, there is a way to kind of spread it out within the entire company or organization rather than just that handful of stores that the the, the grower, the farmer might be able to only make it to. So lots of opportunity. Oh yeah. Well, and it probably goes without saying, but all these things of course can be shouted from the rooftops, both ahead of time, during and after the fact from all those different channels that the retailer has from the in-store audio to the ad, to the website, to the app and all the, I mean, my goodness, if you've got local growers coming in, you can promote that on the local TV station. I mean, there's all kinds of different, you know, ways you really can. I think you could build if if you're looking for a way to differentiate the experience, what I think a lot of people are. Now, again, labor, I know, is always the challenge. But, man, I, I just I think that's the way to go because it's a shopping. It, it really makes you think, well you know, I could, I could maybe get some of what I need at Walmart and that would be less expensive, but I really like shopping at X, right? I like, the regional. I like what you're, yeah. I like what you're saying right now, because what you're saying is you're creating a point of differentiation for your particular organization. You're not the same as everybody else. Um, you've got something fun and exciting for every customer to think about I wonder what they're sampling today when I go in, or I wonder what events happening this weekend, if I'm going to go shopping this weekend. Um, I also know how excited kids get when they go in and they get involved in the sampling events and stuff. So anytime you can get a kid hooked on loving samples or being part of a, a, a tasting event, um, you're guaranteed to get extra product into a grocery cart, whether mom and dad or grandma and grandpa want the product or not. If the if the child wants the product, most of the time it's going into that cart. So there's some definite opportunity there. The other thing I wanted to say was um, to get back a little bit to what you were talking about as far as demo scheduling goes. Um, nobody is ever saying that product demonstrations or food tasting events need to happen seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Um, I think personally that product tasting events are most impactful when they are scheduled accordingly and strategically, um, whether it's peak of season time, whether it's a, 
um, a seasonal event or harvest time of year, whether it's um, a holiday event time of year that, you know, something corresponds well with. Um, there are certain times of the year where it's optimum to host a tasting event or a, a product food tasting um, event. And to be able to capitalize on that, take advantage of that, doesn't necessarily mean that they need to happen every day. So take that in consideration and, and plan accordingly and share the love throughout the store because there's a lot of great items in other departments that uh, can kind of take front stage and become that prime food tasting event or that prime demo event that take a little bit of pressure maybe off the produce department. Maybe it's the off time of year where we're talking about, you know, January and February. And the only thing we have to hang our hat on might be uh, the fresh citrus season at that time of year. Um, that might be a great time of year for other departments to be able to step in and kind of fill the gaps with some of the great products that they have and offer those same type of sampling events. And produce might be an accent to those sampling events or might be involved as kind of a, an accompaniment item, uh, but they're not taking main stage. They're giving that to some of the other departments and then vice versa. We talked earlier about, hey, it's prime summer season right now and the Pluot's never tasted so great and the local grown peaches are perfect right now. We got all the right items in the department to be doing some great product tasting events and some demos. And so that means that some of those other departments within the store might be able to take a little little break or have a little relief from the sampling events because it's prime time for produce right now. Well, and I'll mention one more thing and we can end on this, but to go back to what you said earlier, it with demos and sampling, it's not only valuable for the shopper, valuable for the store, it's valuable for the employee too. And this whole strategy of having essentially more, just more public engagement with the products you're selling, that's great for the employee too. And I think obviously implemented with, with other things, I think that makes it a more interesting and a more fun job for, for your, for your employees. So that's something to take into account here as well. I think if folks think, mm, I think this could be a neat pillar of, of strategy for us. Well, there's been a, a recent change too in the shopping patterns of, of online customers right now. And there's been a influx of customers that are now coming back to the brick and mortar store location. And they're hungry to taste and to smell and to see some of the great stuff that's going on at the store right now. And whether this is short term or this is a, uh, a long term trend with the customer traffic being so aggressive back into the store in today's day and age, I just think it's prime time too to get some samples into the mouths of hungry customers. And that's something that you can't do as an online shopper or an online customer. And to be able to take advantage of that and take a program that we used to know and we used to use years and years ago and revamp it, revitalize it and make it as big and as strong as ever I honestly think that is something for a retailer to be able to hang their hat on and reap the benefits of it. And I also think the timing is perfect to be able to jump back on that bandwagon. And I'll go back to my original statement. Costco obviously realizes that. And as big of a giant as Costco is, if they understand and they realize that and they're capitalizing on it, 
something is working. And it's a, a lesson for, for every retailer and for all of us to be able to follow and to see and to, to be able to make that program our own and take it to some new and different levels that maybe are above and beyond that Costco level that I referenced earlier. So some good times ahead in the world of capitalizing on food pairing and the cross merchandising we talked about on a previous podcast, all the way to regenerating some excitement around product tasting events and quick and easy passive demos and a little bit more extensive active product demonstrations that the time is right. And uh, I think that uh, it's a great opportunity for retailers out there to maybe reconsider it and take a look at the uh, opportunities that it provides and um, maybe uh, adjust that budget just a little bit or make some, some bends and some tweaks in it to uh, be able to at least experiment and test the waters into um, getting back into the mode of uh, food tasting or demo events. Excellent. Well, we'll wrap it up there for today. Scott, thank you so much as always. We'll thank our listeners as well. And I'll remind our listeners too, if you are learning from or otherwise enjoying this podcast, we do appreciate if you write and review. That helps me keep it rolling. Keep bringing back awesome folks like Scott, incredibly knowledgeable about the industry. And I just love talking produce. Scott loves talking produce. We have such a great time and we're we're just happy to to be able to um, share this insight with with others in the produce retail community. So thank you one more time and we'll see everybody next week on the Produce Retail Podcast. Thanks everybody.